First of all, Shyamala and I would like to thank Pastor Willis for this kind invitation to <clears throat> participate with you in this worship and to bring the message on this Transfiguration Day. In the Synoptic Gospels, that is in Matthew, Mark and Luke, there are two occasions on which we have this incredible event of heavens being torn open and a voice coming from heaven. The first was when Jesus was baptized. It says that when he came out of the water, he saw the heavens torn open and uh, uh, Holy Spirit as a dove coming and descending upon him and heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Here in our lesson today for Transfiguration, we find another situation in which Jesus was transformed and the heavens open again. And a word from the heaven comes and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, how do we understand this whole story of Transfiguration? I found it, uh, it'll be easier if we try to compare these two to talk about the nature of what was happening. When Jesus came out of, him, out of the waters, Mark says he saw the heavens open and a dove descending upon him and the word, he heard a voice saying, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. It appears that nobody else saw the heavens open. Nobody else saw the dove comes on the side on him. And nobody else heard the voice from the heaven. Otherwise, there would have been a great excitement among the crowds. Imagine heavens being opened and a dove descending upon Jesus. What a commotion it would have caused among the clouds. No. Jesus was having a profound mystical experience in which he was able to see the heavens open and the dove descending upon him and a way he heard a voice from. Nobody else seemed to have heard it, but he saw and he heard. Now, when we compare this to the transfiguration story, we can find a deeper meaning for what it might mean. But in order to understand the transfiguration story, we need to begin to read this in chapter 17. We need to read from chapter 16, verse 21. That is from where the story reads. It says that in uh, chapter 21, it says, From then on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. It was such a shock to the disciples who had thought that he was a messiah and he was following with him. And suddenly Jesus changes the tone and is saying that he has to now go to Jerusalem and be, um, and be uh, subjected to suffering and death by the high priests and uh, leaders of the Jewish community. It was such a shock that we also read in the Bible the first time there's a very sharp encounter between Peter and Jesus. When Jesus said, I have to go and suffer and die, Peter took him to one side and said, 
What do you mean? Of course, he didn't say that. What he said was, Lord, Lord, uh, Lord, God forbid it. Forbid it, God forbid it, Lord, that it will never happen again. So he says, what do you mean? It can't happen. You cannot suffer and die. It was so sharp, the rebuke from, the word that is used in the Bible is Peter rebuked Jesus. And, and, and the equally strong statement from Jesus, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. You are thinking about, uh, you, are, you are not thinking in divine means, but you are human means you are thinking. Therefore, this idea that Jesus had to suffer and die on the cross was such a traumatic thing that it leads to a confrontation of ideas between Peter and, 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 uh, and Jesus. It is in this context that after six days or eight days according to another character, Jesus takes the disciples, Peter, James and John, and goes up the mountain. And we have the story of transfiguration. Transfiguration is not something that is about Jesus, but is about the disciples. Like Jesus had an intense religious mystical experience when he came out of the waters, now the disciples have a mystical experience. Suddenly they see Jesus transformed in all his glory. His face is shining like the sun, and his clothes are in bright white, and it was Moses and Elijah appearing with him and having in conversation. It looked so real that Peter said, Lord, let me build two tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then a cloud comes upon them, and they hear a voice saying, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The first mystical experience was for Jesus. It was so profound that Jesus changed the course of his life. He had come to follow, uh, who was attracted by the ministry of John the Baptist, want to be baptized and be part of the, part of the reform movement that uh, uh, John was leading. But he, once he had this experience, went into the desert and for 40 days and 40 nights, which means for a long period in the Bible, he was meditating and thinking about it. And finally, as a result, he started his own ministry, announcing the incoming and inbreaking of the kingdom of God and the values of the kingdom of God is what is required for. The transfiguration in which the disciples have a mystical experience of seeing Jesus in all his glory was something that was needed for them to understand and accept the crucifixion and the death of Jesus Christ. He had to see him in his glory and to be told to listen to him in order to be able to believe and find them. Now, I was a professor of world religions, and I used to teach all the religious traditions in the seminary. And I believe that Christianity is one of the most difficult religions to believe in. Because it is one of those religions in which the leader of the movement was rejected, subjected to suffering, was crucified and put to death. 
And then we are asked to believe that it's in this person that we have life. And it is in this person that God intends to bring the whole creation unto God's self. How can that be? So it is not easy to believe. It is not something that we want to easily embrace. A dead man on the cross being our savior. There has to be a, some kind of a conviction, inner certainty that has to come into our hearts in order to believe this unbelievable reality that God could do such a miracle through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm always impressed with Sidney Carter's poem, uh, um, uh, folk song that uh, has the words, it, was, it is about a conversation between Jesus and one of the robbers who were crucified by his side. It was on a Sunday morning, it was on a Friday morning that they took him from the cell, struck me from the cell, I saw they had a carpenter to crucify as well. That's how it begins. Then this is the interesting verse. He says, now Barabbas was a killer and they let Barabbas go. And you are being crucified for nothing here below. God is up in heaven and doesn't do a thing. And a million angels watching and they never move a wing. What's going on? Ask the robber. God is up in heaven and he doesn't do a thing. And million angels watching and they never move a wing. It's God who, the, the God they ought to crucify or not you and me. I said to the carpenter who's, who's hanging on the tree. Robber says, if this is the reality, it is God who must be crucified. If this is how things are going to be. It's a radical way of Sidney Carter beautifully putting the reality of what it means to be a cross. In fact, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, in his first letter to the Corinthians, in the first chapter, says, we preach Christ crucified. This is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks or the Gentiles. It is foolishness to the Gentiles. It is a stumbling block to the Jews. It has been a stumbling block to the Hindus and Buddhists and others who heard the gospel in this form because they could not believe. Therefore, our belief can be strengthened, our belief can be made whole only through an experience in which we hear the voice saying, he is my beloved son, listen to him. It doesn't always dra dramatically happen. Martin Luther was teaching theology and the Bible at the Wittenberg, Wittenberg University. And he used to lecture on Genesis and on letter to the Romans and letter to the Galatians for a long time. But suddenly one occasion, in the context of the indulgence problem, suddenly he saw something deeply, profoundly new within the Roman gospel, that we are saved by faith through Christ by grace through faith, and he got the three solas, by faith alone, by grace alone, and by scripture alone. An awakening, an awakening. John, um, John Wesley went to a Moravian house for a prayer meeting, and they were reading the Blue's preface to the Book of Romans, 
and he says his heart was strangely warmed and he came to understand the fullness of the meaning of Christ for him. His life was fully changed and he started the Methodist movement for reformation among the people. We don't have a dramatic vision, but we need to have an internal certainty, internal transformation in order to be able to accept the reality that in and through this man who was crucified, that our salvation has been wrought. We are 40 days in Lent to walk alongside Jesus. And it is during this time, somewhere in the depth of our hearts, we must hear the voice, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him so that we may accept the values that he gives you and so that you may in all fullness believe that it is in him and through him that you have the fullness of life. Amen.